everyone, and welcome to episode 160 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HamTG, joined here by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Good evening, everyone. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, what's up, everyone? Well, well, well. Just five minutes ago, before recording this podcast, I found out that there's a new Magic the Gathering set coming out soon, so we're going to be speaking about these spoilers for that set today. Now, the exact name of this set, I don't know. Pat, can you fill us in? Uh, Phyrexia. All will be one. Phyrexia all will be one. And what all will be one is the fact that I don't know it. So that's going to be an interesting discussion to have. Uh, I am actually realizing why I was seeing these weird planeswalkers on Twitter. I thought it was like some commander set, but nope, it's actually for standard. There's honestly so no way of before we get into anymore. this and embarrass myself, uh, we are sponsored by Card Market. For those who don't know, best place online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related, especially a place to pre-order cards that are about to be released. So if you need Magic the Gathering singles, accessories, deck boxes, sleeves, anything card game related, go check out cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. Especially if you even play other card games like Digimon, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, all that jazz. Cardmarket.com, cardmarket.eu. They sponsor us and keep us here every week. Also want to thank you to all the patrons that have been sticking around with us over the Christmas break. And just in general, appreciate you. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so. Anyways, let's get into the spoilers. That's what you guys are here for. We're not going to be going through them all as I believe there's still more to come. So me, Pat, and Gab have all picked out cards that we like that we wanted to talk about. So Pat, we know that you always have strong opinions. Why don't you start off with your first card that you think will be good out of the new set? First of all, I feel I'd like to defend myself. I do not have strong opinions at all. <laughs> it's not something that I'm known for. Uh, anyway, I'm, yeah, okay. I, I've got four cards on my list. Uh, I'm gonna talk about Jace, the new Jace. It got spoiled today. This is Jace, the Perfected Mind. Uh, it is a four mana Planeswalker, so it costs two colorless, one blue, and one blue slash Phyrexian mana. And it starts with five loyalty, and it has the completed uh, ability, which previewed a little while ago, but uh, is going to come back in this set with a whole bunch of different Planeswalkers. And completed says, you know, you can pay, if you pay the Phyrexian mana cost uh, with two lo- with life, uh, then the, the planes will call enter the battle with battlefield with two two less loyalty counters. So Jace either costs four mana, so two blue, two colors, and comes in with five loyalty, or you can pay two blue, two, two colors, one blue, and two life, and it comes into play with three loyalty counters. So it's a three mana planes walk with three loyalty, or a four mana planes walk with five loyalty. Okay, now that flavor text is out of the way, which I'm sure will never come up in, in the context of the card constructed. Um, Jace's abilities, so. Plus one, until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero. Minus two. Target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise you draw a card. And minus X, target player mills three times X cards. So um, I'm not one to, you know, I'm not gonna jump to wild conclusions and say this card is amazing, but this is a three mana planeswalker that draws a card. It's a three mana planeswalker that activates graveyard synergies. It protects itself and it also has some contextual relevance in a format like modern with uh, you know, obviously the Demir Mill archetype where it may be very kind of reliable to be able to get off the, the draw three cards ability from the minus two. There's lots of ways to mill yourself in formats like Pioneer and you know modern as well, but you know, if we can, if we think that you know maybe there's 
room for a new deck in, in Pioneer with that can build around Jace. I think if you can reliably turn on the draw three ability in the mid game, then you've got yourself a winner here. And you know, if you think about Pioneer, it's a it's another format that has the delve spells that are legal, which incentivizes you to be self milling as well. And this kind of just fills in and sits in that kind of space where it's a cheap planeswalker. It can protect itself and it can have a pretty significant card advantage in the mid game. And so. I think it's got a good chance of seeing some amount of play in a format like Pioneer. I guess I'm going to have a strong opinion, though. I think that card's going to be unplayable. I've read all these completed Planeswalkers, and they're about just as good as all the other completed Planeswalkers we've had before. Um, AK, they're all bad. Chase is just not a good turn free play, and it's costing you two life. Only makes a good turn for play. The plus ability is sure it protects itself, but then at some point you, you have to minus it to gain some value and then it'll instantly die and barely replace itself. Um, yeah, I don't see it at all. I don't think this card's going to be played in any formats, any decks. I think even in with the mill clause, 20 cards is not trivial. Um, yeah, I think that card's way, way too weak. I think the thing that I like about this card is only for modern mill. And, um, you know, the fact that you have crabs in blue, black, mill and modern can kind of block to help protect this card and stay alive. But I'm not convinced. I mean, modern mill already is playing loads of Tasha's hideous laughter to try and win the game. And I think you'd rather cast that than this Jace. I don't know what you take out because I have played modern mill recently. I think that that deck is really streamlined now compared to what it used to be because of Tasha's hideous laughter. This could be a cyborg card, but I'm not too convinced. I, th I, I think I think it's a stinker. I like your I like it. Well, until you said it, I think it's a stinker. I like your assessment that it's a it's a potentially powerful cyborg card for the 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 mere mill deck. You, you said it's it's it is a streamlined deck now, and it plays it plays a kind of control role, you know, somewhat effectively. And in games where you want to move away from just kind of turbo milling people and try and you know try and keep pace with people who are going to trade cards with you or whatnot, uh, then, you know, Jace is a pretty reasonable switch up to a card like, you know, Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which you said, which is a kind of monodimensional card. It, it, uh, it only ever deals, you know, mills them and it can't do anything else. Whereas this kind of, you know, you get to pick your spots and, and pick your timings. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying this card's going to break the world, but I, I think this is an interesting option. And I would be surprised if people don't try and play it at the very least. Mm. Probably one of the more Makes interesting build-arounds, I think. Yeah. But speaking of build-arounds, my card to highlight um, is... It's called Venerated Rot Priest. It's a green 1-2 with Toxic 1. This is a new mechanic, I believe, added to this set, where it's not Infect, it's Toxic. So, Toxic 1, players dealt damage by this creature also get a Poison Counter. So... Uh, and it also has another ability. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. It's a 1-2. Um, this is different to something like Infect, because let's say you pump the Venerated Rot Priest. It doesn't increase the amount of Infect counters that the opponent gets, because it's just Toxic 1. But I've seen a lot of discussion on this card. I think it's not terrible. I mean, you can see a lot of uh, Infect decks currently in Modern play the card... Shaper Sanctuary, which draws you a card if they target a creature you control, that's a cyborg card, whereas this one gives them Infect. Now, the only thing that I like about this card is not 
is it does deal Infect, but sometimes Infect has to steal wins with Ignoble Hierarch and Noble Hierarch. And I like the fact that this still deals combat damage as well as infect damage. Because in modern, a lot of people aggressively shock um, and fetch against you. And you can kind of steal wins sometimes with just pump spells on normal creatures. I think this really goes well alongside your exalted mana dorks. And I could definitely see this scene play in sideboards at least. And the fact that it doesn't get six pinged is really big. So I I'm a fan of this card. I don't think it changes the infect archetype a lot. I think it can do bits. Yeah. What do you think, Ep? It's it's a little awkward, as you said, with the pump spells, because you want to play pump spells in your infect deck. This one, it gets a little value, right? You target your, your creature with a pump spell, they get a poison counter. They kill it, they get a poison counter. It is just nice that it's, you know, one drop poison creature. There's just not that many. And mm -hmm. as you mentioned, doesn't die to, to a ping of run in six. So mm -hmm. maybe that's what the infect needed, just another you know it's kind of how do you want to call it almost a, a shepherd you know shepherd to other creatures you played first and mm -hmm. you know it starts attacking and if they want to kill it or your other creatures you, you get a little value just adds up you know that seems seems solid and if, if that me mechanics and be playable in other formats the, the rod free is probably going to be a part of it mm. So you know, just for 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 those you know born before the year two thousand or whatever, this this version of the toxic of the poison mechanic is actually mo most similar to the original mechanic, where you know the creature deals damage and then you also get poison counters of some number some some number of poison counters. It doesn't really seem to be particularly tied to the, the creature's power. And actually, I actually like the way they're templating this now, M removing the kind of synergy with pump spells. Yeah. Getting back to this card so, in particular, though, uh, you know, obviously we've both mentioned, both of you mentioned that saving it from Ren and Six gives it a chance in modern, and you, you know, likened it to the Shape of Sanctuary, and I think that's you know a good comparison because Shape of Sanctuary really sucks. Like it's a really really bad card, and every time people bring it in, in effect, it just does nothing. Like they just wish they had drawn a pump spell or a creature. At least this card does something. And so you can justify placing copies in the main and extra copies in the board, and it doesn't completely dilute your plan. And like Gab pointed out, that's although it doesn't directly synergize with pump spells, like you know you kind of combo kill them in one turn, you still get to fire off spells on it and burn your opponent out if you if you can't get through on the ground. You know you don't actually have to deal damage to, to cast spell to cast your pump spells on creatures and give them poison counters. So I actually think this has got a lot of a lot of legs. You know, if if we were to kind of move to a world where infect is good again, this is going to be this is going to be the reason why. Yeah, and my second card actually to directly support infect is Skrelev. I can't pronounce it. S K R E L V Defector Might, and it's one white. It's a legendary artifact creature, one one with toxic one. Um, Skrelv can't block, and it has an interesting activated ability. So it's a white Phyrexian mana, so it's either white or two life. You can tap it, choose a color, another target creature you control gains Toxic 1 and Hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creatures of that color this turn. Now, while Infect was good in Modern, we saw them splashing white for Giver of Runes. Um, and, you know, having Giver of Runes have Toxic 1, okay, it does get pinged by Renin 6. But just giving Infect more and more tools, it gives these Infect players, you know, the chance to actually come back. 
And I think Wizard specifically added Artifact Creature here because we do see Hammer Time win by Infect some, some of the cases and being able to be, you know, maybe your fifth giver or a trashy Esper Sentinel, something like this doesn't seem terrible. Um, so, you know, what do you guys think? You know, a card that you can pump with Hammer or protect a creature, it can't block, you don't care. It's an artifact, unlike Giver of Runes. So it's, you know, extra options for Hammer, extra, extra options for Infect. I don't know if you guys think this is good or not. I think it's fine, you know, it's just cheap. It starts the job, it, uh, a tiny bit of utility. Um, I don't think it's going to be good in anything but standard, you know, maybe they, they pushed it enough that it'll be good in standard. There's a land that's, you know, kind of a super, super land called the Seed Core, which is really good with all these toxic creatures. It's a basically, um, a, you know, claim territory or whatever. These lands that it taps for colorless or it taps for any color to cast Phyrex and creatures, which are the toxic creatures, basically. So, um, you know, it's kind of a city of brass for toxic creatures. And it also has the Pendlehaven clause that says a one-one. You tap it, target one-one, uh, gets plus two plus one. Use it only if your opponent has fewer more poison counters. So once you get them a few poison counters, you can start pumping your creatures and stuff. So um, I'm not seeing that card in other formats than low power standard. I think, but uh, it's mm -hmm. cool design. Yeah, I, I think it, you know, if it was going to get played, it's going to get played in that Gear River in slot. Like Harry said, I do like that it gives the evasion ability as well. I mean, they're obviously not giving protection, but they're giving you know, Hexproof from the color and the evasive ability that protection would grant as well. So it can get some damage through in the late game, you know, get those last few poison counters on your opponents. Yeah, it's just pretty slow, right? Gains Toxic 1. So yeah, exactly, yeah. It's it's not, you're not pushing a ton of damage. <laughs> no, no, but hopefully you don't have to deal that much. I mean, it's, you can't ask for too much from 1-1. One, one. It is another legendary creature, yeah. Has some implications for Moxo, Mox Amber. So, ones if you give a creature with Toxic One, Toxic One, uh, they're, they're, do they get they're two infect? Yeah, they're separate separate instances of the triggered ability. Right. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's all better than than what I thought. Then. What you got, Gab? Oh, my turn. All right. Oh yeah. Um, I got a cool new removal spell called Shieldred's Edict. Oh. It's a black and one instant speed. What a try like the original uh, Diabolic Edict. And it reads, choose one. Each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature token. And each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. Obviously, that card's probably going to be busted or really annoying in Commander. says each opponent. Um, I already saw people... Someone tweeted, I hate that card. But um, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's Diabolic Edict's been power crept in pretty much every format. I think maybe it's still so a tiny bit of playing Popper at some point. But yeah, um, you know, it's a cool design. Uh, one of the frustra frustrating things with Edict Effect is when your opponent has, you know, a Colony Garden 01 plant, and that's what you get with it. So they got rid of that part. Um, or that, that downside, and obviously each open and sacrifice of Planeswalker is just huge, just that extra extra dimension to the removal spell. Yeah. Um, 
in practice, we just like started looking at the spoilers, so we didn't have time to prepare a ton. But a Soul Shatter, I think, is a reasonable card in, in Pioneer to play if you're playing a, a, a blue-black control deck. And yeah. Edict, not strictly better, but much cheaper. You know, you're going to get a relevant creature against Mono White. You're going to get against Green. It's kind of tricky. They... Maybe not the greatest because they can sag the troll to get the, the the mana ramp, or you just get an elf. But if you don't want to use it on a creature, it's still good uh, to get a planeswalker. It gets Cura. It's really clean answer to uh, turn two, turn three Cura. It's decent against Karn because when you're playing control and they go Karn minus, it's not the end of the world if you get two for one because it's a really slow two for one. They paid four for Karn. You edict it. You only paid two mana. And then, sure, they got a card, but they still have to cast it. Um, so not the end of the world there. And, um, yeah, I feel like it's pretty solid against against a control deck. That gives you a huge edge, you know, instead of having yet another targeted removal spell that only deals with, I don't know, Typhoon tokens. You, you literally get to kill a Teferi or Wandering Emperor for two mana. Seems amazing. So I didn't think about every implication, every matchup. But at least in Pioneer, that card looks interesting. Yeah, I think this is a multi-format all-star. Yeah, I think, well, off the top of my head, in Legacy and Vintage, it's very good against things like Monastery Mentor because they can't sack a Monastery Mentor token. It's really good against Merit Lage, the 2020 token made by the lands. It's really good against things like Oko Thief of Crowns. Um, the new Iron Clast, the two drop, has been seeing a ton of eternal format play. Easy to kill that. So I can think of a lot of good applications where just the fact that it says sacrifices a non-token creature can be really relevant. I really like the card. Yeah, it gives you an answer to Ren and Six when yeah, you're playing that's, Black in, in, that's in, in, in Modern too. Like Blue Black has Fatal Push, which it's amazing in Modern, but you can't really play Blue Black because you have you know no answers to turn to Ren and Six and game kind of just ends so yeah no that card yeah. seems super super good yeah it's yeah it's yeah gonna be pl- played in every format i imagine yeah yeah no, it's it's a good swap because i remember playing what blood chief's thirst to try and tackle ren the sorcery speed yeah. this is instant Jesus, so, so bad. i like it yeah all right okay all right. what you got pat all right next one another planeswalker another completed planeswalker just for Gab's enjoyment. Uh, this is <laughs> Luca Bound to Ruin. So this costs... Okay, let me, let, me, let me get this straight. Okay, so it's two red-green and then a red-green hybrid Phyrexian mana. So it can either cost five or you can pay four and two life. Uh, it has five starting loyalty or you know, three, obviously, if you pay, with fire, pay two life to cast it. And then its abilities are plus one... Add red and green, add one red and one green to your pool. Uh, spend this mana only to cast creature spells or activated abilities of creatures. Uh, minus one. Create a 3-3 three, three Phyrexian green beast token with toxic one. Or minus four. Deals X damage divided as you choose amongst any number of target creatures or planeswalkers. Where X is the greatest power amongst creatures you control when you activated the ability. So. It doesn't look like it's particularly good on the surface, but I can think of one explicit instance where it might be very good and that's with a card called bard class which uh, is a saga from uh, a set a couple of years ago where when you 
it's not a set it's the um it's the it's from the dungeons and dragons set it's where you kind of like progress the level you, you level up the enchantment or whatever it's called i can't remember what they're called but um the second the second tier of that essentially is that uh legendary spells you cast cost uh red and green less to cast so this is a two mana planeswalker in that two mana two life to cast this and then it pays for itself by spending red and green so you can keep casting legendary things and one of the I've, I've, I've played against decks like this in um in pioneer quite a bit and they have very explosive draws but they don't quite have like, the critical mass of things to do with their mana or thing or, or, or busted things to do and this is a really powerful thing to put into play and it diversifies the threats a little bit rather than it just being dump a bunch of creatures into play and get supreme verdict this you know has pretty you know pretty wide range of things it can kind of plays that role of uh burning tree shaman where you pay two mana to cast it and then it makes two two mana again and you can play another thing giving you those busted draws it can just sit around and create value by making beast tokens and if you're paying four mana if you pay full full price for it or not even full price if you just don't pay don't pay the uh if you just don't pay the two life it comes into play with five counters and he can immediately use the minus four ability and clear the way clean up some creatures or some planeswalkers that are in play and it, you know, it's another legendary creature, so it obviously turns on Mox Amber as well. So not a card that I expect to see a huge amount of play in a generic context, but in one specific context, it could be particularly good. Once again, I'm going to be a little bit of a hater, but I uh, I don't see it. I mean, it feels like a worse Garug, right? The four mana Garug that makes a beast and untaps lands and gives you an overrun. Yeah, but it doesn't cost two with bad costs in play. Yeah, but there's other decent red-green cards, and I feel like it doesn't it doesn't really fix the, the the bar class consistency issue, even though you know it's it's a cool card to cast off it. For the record, I anticipate never casting this card in my life, but I'm <laughs> looking for looking for things that people could build around. Harry, you want to make a meme video? No shot. I'm too busy playing with rat colonies and throwing stones to play with this card. Yeah, too busy winning matches, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, I'll follow up with another Planeswalker that I can argue will be decent. Uh, it's Nissa Ascend Animist, and it's three green-green, and then uh, two green Phyrexian manas, and it has completed, which means that you can either pay five mana and four life, and it comes into play with three counters, or you can pay seven mana, and it comes into play with seven uh, counters. But it's plus one. You can also pay, X -X. sorry, just clarify, you can also pay six mana and two life, and it comes into play with five counters. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. But, um, yeah. You can plus one to create an XX green Phyrexian horror creature token where X is Nissa's loyalty. You can minus one to destroy target artifact or enchantment. Can minus seven until end of turn creatures you control get plus one plus one for each force you control and gain trample uh, obviously it's a green planeswalker there are always thoughts to go into mono green in pioneer and i think the while i don't think this is a card that would ever warp mono green and pioneer the fact that you can plus one to make uh if you pay five mana it comes in with three loyalty you plus one to four you make a four four so that's a troll then the next turn you plus one you make a five five that's kind of like a Cavalier. When I played Monogreen heavily, there were times where you just wanted to play Trolls and Cavaliers in a lot of matchups. And what do you do against the blue-white control deck and the blue-black control deck? You just want to play your Trolls and play your Cavs. 
this card to me seems like something decent against those decks, especially against uh, things like Leyline's Binding or Temporary Lockdown or even maybe the Fires decks. There are a lot of artifacts and enchantments that you want to destroy. So I think having access to a five mana Planeswalker that destroys an artifact or enchantment, makes a troll or big creatures every turn is something that I wouldn't mind having. As well as the minus seven, it's huge. For what, three, for seven mana, it comes in with seven loyalty, and then you can pump all of your, your whole team for the number of forests in play. It doesn't, it doesn't seem terrible to me. The only thing that I would say is quote unquote bad is that you can't put it into play with Storm, Storm the Festival, so. You know, I, I personally don't hate it, especially because of the pump as soon as it enters the battlefield. Starting to believe uh, my co-caster's minds have been completed by... Uh, <laughs> he has been completed by Alishnorn or something, because... Actually, this one looks a little, little less bad than the other ones, because at least, you know, in the late game top deck, you get to cast it for 7, and you get, what, a, an 8-8 eight, eight right away, or you get the minus 7 right away, kill them if you have a bunch of elves, maybe, and... But for five mana, it's basically five mana, pay four life, plus one, get a four four. I mean, compared to Nissa, compared to, I mean, it seems so weak again. Mm, yeah, I'm kind of with Gav on this one. I do think that it's less monodimensional or, you know, than, than Nissa Who Shakes the World. I mean, obviously, Nissa Who Shakes the World is incredible, is like a really, really, really powerful card, but it does just make three threes and make you mana and maybe one thing i've noticed about those green decks is they kind of just they don't actually you know have things that cost a million mana they just have lots of ways of spending mana in small increments or whatever uh, or lots of ways of spending medium amounts of mana but this at least has some kind of you know functionality and a kind of interactive game with the naturalizability or whatnot so not <laughs> i think this for the record i think this card sucks but I, I can see it if you're in that kind of, if you're building your mono green deck and you're thinking, okay, I've got space for one or two five mana planeswalkers here. Will I play Nissa Who Shakes the World or will I play a different different five mana green planeswalker? This at least has some utility in those spots. Whether or not it has more or less utility than something like, say, uh, the Vivian, which uh, looks looks at the top cards of your library to add a pick up a creature or kills an, an enchantment or a creature with flying is another story. But I, I think this card's... I think overall, I think, it's, I think this card's worse than the two completed Planeswalkers that I chose to talk about. I'll just put it that way. Really? I think it's actually better than the two you talked about, but... Impossible. Not much. Impossible. All right. Can I go next? Go on then. All right. Ossification. A white and one... Enchantment Aura. Enchant basic land you control. When it enters the battlefield, exile target creature or planeswalker and open and control until Ossification leaves the battlefield. So, you know, we've been playing blue-white control with laydown the arms, even though I'm not sold that the laydown mana base is good enough to play laydown. And I've had a little more success with the portable whole version just because Having to play these uh, these prairie streams and less less value lands has been uh, I feel like that's been hurting me. But you know if we're gonna go the lay down the arms route with prairie stream and play a million basics, that card fits perfectly. Uh, right now, the 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 blue eyed versions usually play ten or eleven basics. You could push that number up a bit. You could maybe trim on something like farmland and start even playing fabled passage. 
since they kind of both come into play tap, but Passage gives you that 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 basic you need to cast turn two ossification. And um yeah, just another pretty clean answer to Cura before it's done damage. Or you know, it exiles trolls, it exiles cavalier, it, it exiles it exiles, which is which is obviously much better than destroying. The downside is that it gives their Baseju tons of value. You know, if you're gonna use it on a Cavalier, uh, and they they Baseju it, they get the trigger. Plus, maybe they get it end of your turn. Um, so that that's gonna be one of the big downsides in, in Pioneer. I'm I'm not sure about Modern at all. Basic is is kind of a weird one, and you have a ton of of great removal in Modern already, but in uh, yeah, and Pioneer specifically, you, you know, you're you're pretty happy with your portable hole or lay down the arms. These cards are pretty good. But past that, it's like Fateful Absence, March, um, even Soul Partition sometimes. And and these cards are like not the greatest. March has some nice use, you know, on the mainland and whatnot. So yeah, that could that could be a really, really good compliment. Um once again, yeah. I haven't really thought about all the implications of it being a an aura uh, an aura land and and there's obviously the field rate no matter how many you know basics you play and fabled passage you play you're still only going to have maybe like 12 13 14 and you might not have it on turn two so so that's kind of a, a big deal i guess but yeah it, it adds that layer of variance you know it's it's not big when you look at it you're like oh i have 14 or 16 basic i should have one on average but there's that you need to you know it like compounds right when you need all these little requirements that, you know, in a vacuum, they're fine. You're a ma- massive favorite, you know, 80%, 90% plus. But when you start adding all these little things that have to go right for your draw to function, um, it adds up. So yeah. maybe, you know, take, I guess, take it, you know, it might, it might play out worse than, than you think. Yeah. I mean, I, I look, I'm looking at Mythic Spoiler and this, this is directly next to Shieldred's Edict. And this is not Shieldred's Edict, I don't think. Uh, I think the things that you pointed out are, are all very true. It's got a lot of power and uh, high, high upside to it. But number of things, I think, stacked against it. And one of them being, you know, how easy it is to play Perseju. Another one is the, this is a sorcery. So it doesn't synergize very well with, uh, with, uh, Teferi's, uh, untapping two lands so you don't get that kind of you know faithful absence is not a particularly exciting card you don't really want to play it but it has great synergy in that context uh i, I could see this fitting into the those pre- into the, the the basic heavy versions of the lay down the arms versions in some numbers but two mana sorceries are just pretty hard to like to realistically play that is it's hard to get out excited about them but the flexibility might mean that you want to play one or two one or two copies of those cards but it's shielded to this is, this is not <laughs> Yeah, exa- I mean, Exile and, and flexibility of creature and Planeswalkers obviously massive. We'll see. Yeah. It's it's kind yeah. of exciting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a card that people play one or two of and, like, you know, stretch their mana base a little bit more and, you know, or, or maybe they just, you know, put it in the lay down the arms versions and then uh, ha- have some have some power, that upgrade some power there. Again, it could also just be a great card out of like you know, mono white or something like that, like white weenie or mid range whites, white decks. Here we are, just always talking about blue eye control. Yeah, there's also the you know the blink effects. You never know. Yorion is still legal in Pioneer. Um, you know, maybe you get a creature early on, you get a better one later. You um, could even uh, 
Now it's going to say you can target your creatures and do some cool stuff, but it's an open controls, obviously. I uh, can't have fun things. They, um, but, uh, you know, yeah, that's another that's another potential upside, the, the blinking. You know, maybe you get a token the first time around. There's so many creatures that you need to exile in, in Pioneer. You know, Kroxa, Phoenix, even though Phoenix hasn't been the most popular lately. The green creatures, uh, you know, people play Selfless Spirit, gets around a gets around a bunch of of stuff so um i don't know it's cool design anyways all right who's got next uh is it harry i think it's you after uh, okay fine then i'm going to talk about something that we, we should have talked about when it when it got announced a long time ago and that's phyrexian obliterator hmm so for those of you who okay. weren't playing in original Scars of Meriden, Phyrexian Obliterator is a five, four mana five five. It has a trample, and whenever a, a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. So good luck burning this out. Did I say it costs four mana? It actually costs four four black 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 black. <laughs> the slurrel. So it's the mono black only card. But this is sort of, this is the sort of card where people just get irrationally excited about the idea of mono black control coming back, and this card will be the will be the reason why. And I don't know. I feel like I've heard this narrative many many times before. And hey, maybe it's got a chance now. Who knows? But this is a new card for Pioneer. Uh, there's not a huge number of things in Pioneer that get rid of it particularly effectively. Um, that said, damage-based removal is not also not very good. But the combination of this plus uh, a reprinting of another card called Phy- uh, Phyrexian Arena, which is uh, an enchantment that's like two black one, two black mana, one colorless. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, lose a life, draw a card. It means that maybe there's a kind of you know maybe there's a shelf for these kind of mono black devotion style strategies. Uh, you know, a black Nykthos deck that, that that drains your opponent out and. You know, with with Grey Merchant of Ashvidel and you know, Ferrixian Obliterator is sure to see play in that. Do you think this card's got a chance at any point in time? It's never been a Pioneer Legal before. I don't think these cards have ever been super good. I think I played it maybe a tiny bit in Standard. I think recently the the, the cool thing people were doing is playing with fight spells, was the green fight spells. Because oh, you the- fight a creature, it takes damage, so you kill their creature and they have to sack a bunch of permits. Oh, there's, um, there's that Bushwhack card as well, right? That uh, That's the get a basic land or fight a creature one yeah. green thing from the latest set like that means you can play like green black and you know fix your mana and then also turn on that combo like you're describing yeah yeah that that would be that that would be the the only case where i think a card i get would would you play well because even in mono black beautiful such a good card i'm sure there's a few other colorless lands you could play but pl- playing a card like that basically means you don't get to play colorless lands and um, you know, you still get to play maybe Hive and Castle Lockwain, but losing losing uh, losing M- Carlock Mutavolt usually hurts these decks a lot. So, yeah, it's a really cool card, but I'm not sure I'll see play. Yeah, I'm I'm not too bothered about this one. Okay, well, I guess it's me. There's a uh, one that I'm not confident in, but I'll I'll speak about it anyways. It's called. Ta- Tyvar? 
a jubilant brawler. It's one black and green planeswalker. Three loyalty as a static ability. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. The plus one is untap up to one target creature. And the minus two is mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less for your graveyard to the battlefield. Now this, may, this card may seem trash at first. But I think that this is a step towards helping modern elves be a deck. Already modern elves is splashing black because of Grist the Hunger Tide. And this card could potentially be something that helps them combo more. Because you know that modern elves has access to things like Winding Way and Lead the Stampede. It's already drawing a load of cards, but the fact that they don't have haste can make a bit of rough for them. And I think that because Modern Elves has the Lord that taps for each elf you control, you could have some stuff here. The minus two is really relevant as well, because uh, Elves does have the Lord for green green, and you can pay green to draw a card. That's a 1-1 one, one pump. There's a lot of elves that you can bring back that I think are relevant. The mill three works somewhat nicely with Grist, I guess you could say. I don't think the card is terrible, but I don't think you would go in a tier like a tier deck. But it could make elves work towards where it needs to be. Thoughts? I mean, you could have busted draws, right? You go turn on elf, turn two, uh, land played at, untap your elf, play an elf. It has haste. You get to play. You know, basically, if you have you get to play all your land or elves right away, and then you untap with that card and you play the lords. You know that tap for a lot of mana, and you're 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 casting a company or whatnot. That card seems like it'd be really good. It has a decent passive, a, a relevant plus, a value minus. Looks super solid to me. I agree. I can't. I just can't think off the top of my head where the. What what's the what's the natural home for it? Because you know, ideally, you want something that's taking advantage of the haste, but also taking advantage of the the, the minus two ability. And yeah, I, I make my mind was like, I'm just trying to think of good two mana creatures that you could return and then activate immediately, like things that have like you know, like reanimation creatures that have powerful activated abilities that you would normally have to wait a turn for. Well, there's one, but it's really expensive. It's the the two mana lord that gets. Other lords for six mana. Right, yeah, that's mm. that's that's L specific, but I feel like this card's more generically good. I mean, like green and black kind of got a long history of, yeah, you know, small shitty creatures with, that, that that you want to bring back from the graveyard. It works with Fable of the Mirror Breaker, the the flipped Fable. Yeah, you sure. Copy. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I guess we we talked pretty much only about elves because it feels like a natural home but yeah, it is out of any any creature it's not elf specific yeah i mean i'm sitting there thinking you can bring back zula but cut through it any of the kind of you, you can bring back you can bring back is there's a there's a two mana creature that's like sacrifice a creature plus two plus two right it's like a vampire this is two two mana one one vampire you can bring that back and just fireball kill people because it has haste and just eat the rest of your board so you guys some kind of aristocrat style deck does this do anything in Pioneer um, Greasefang? Well, I mean, it doesn't get by Greasefang, which is a, a real problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have enough creatures to, to be to be sure you're you're going to hit. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little awkward in deck building because it's a card that you can't hit of company or lead the stampede or, yeah. you know, whatnot. And obviously, the, the minus two, if you, if you don't have 
an elf to play, you might want to tempt it to use the minus two right away. And if you brick, it feels obviously bad. Um, so there, there's there's some tension there, but I'm not sure if like apprentice necromancer is legal, which is like one black one colors one 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 black sacrifice that reanimates something. It's from isn't, there that, isn't there that that card? I mean, you'd have to get really lucky, right? Once again, how are you gonna build your deck so that you actually hit? But there's the isn't there that two drop that reanimates the there white is, black? There's a white black one. That's the one I'm thinking oh, of now. Yeah. yeah, and now you see now we're getting somewhere, right? Like you kind of you know you ha- you're a Seder Wayfinder, Stitcher Supplier deck. You have things that go to the gra- put fill the graveyard up, but you can also bring back. You have it's right right priest or something like that i can't remember what it's called yeah yeah but that but that's the sort of card i was thinking of where like you get it back into play and it it having haste is just big game like it's just the end of the game yeah i i don't know i it's a pretty powerful thing i, I mean historically you think abilities that creatures that are, cards that have just granted haste as a static ability have a lot more to them than they look like haste is a really fucked up fucked up bit of text on a magic card you know, summoning sickness is a rule that exists for a reason, and and cards that violate that are, you know, are worth quite a lot, far more than you know, say first strike or trample or anything like that. Like haste is really, really powerful. There's also a bunch of these two mana creatures that you can't cast unless there's a condition. But if you self mill them and bring them back, that's true. That's true. There are like aren't five, there? six for two. <laughs> I mean, maybe someone will figure out the perfect. You yeah. know, the, you're talking about. We're, we we started with elves, but then you mentioned citrus plar and wayfinder. Elves is like the least the least did not is like the last place my brain went. It just didn't really fit with me. The cards I want to bring back in elves are three mana three mana creatures. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is an interesting card. Uh, lot yeah, to think about. Sure. Yeah. All right, my last card or my third card, anyways. I'm not sure if you guys have more. Is experimental augury. It's a blue one instant, and it's anticipate plus proliferate. Which means that when you proliferate, you choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each other counter of each kind already there. So can be poison counters, can be minus one counters, plus one plus one counters, loyalty counters. So you know, in Pioneer, you've got Impulse that's legal and doesn't see a ton of play. It's played in Lotus, it's played in Creativity. It actually sees a decent amount of play, but these decks don't really use the proliferate ability. Um, so you would want to play it. I mean, I thought, you know, basically thought of Narset, of Planeswalkers, you know, Narset, Wandering Emperor, Teferi, you Teferi Plus, you cast that, it gets an extra proliferate counter, kind of cute. Um, you know, we, we play Consider, maybe Impulse is decent in blue-white. No one really plays Impulse in control decks right now. Uh, people usually play Consider when they want to play these kind of cards. It's cheaper and it works well with Dig for Time. But, you know, maybe maybe the counter uh, adds up if you're playing enough Planeswalker. It seems a little marginal in something like Blue-White Control to just play and spade just for that, but I'm not sure if there's other cards that could, could use the, the, um, the counter ability. It's actually, uh, you know, we've kind of, we poo-poo uh, anticipate historically on this podcast. Particularly, hmm. sorcery speed anticipates, uh, but this is actually an instant speed one, so it's fine. But I, you know, it's kind of it begs the question: like, how much is that? F- looking at that fourth card worth, and is the proliferate really worth it? Is it is it worth it if you're just going to get incidental value off cards like 
you know, off your planeswalkers. Uh, one thing that Gab didn't mention is that this gets you the third activation out of an asset. Uh, you know, rather than it sitting on sitting on one, you can tick it up to two and bring it back and and get that last last look in. Um, or or is this a, it's, you know, are you are you going to go for the is it worth it for the tran- the incidental value or do you really have to build around it and get massive value off of it? You know, something that's kind of you know far too many moving parts for my brain to think of on on the fly. And my my instinct is it's probably going to be the latter. I don't think you're going to. There's not really there's no space for for impulse in those blue-eyed decks from what I from what I can tell and I would really doubt that you can get by on this marginal value like this yeah I think the only thing I'll point out is that it is a common and I've just been trying to think really hard what can you do in pauper with this card but you know this type of thing clearly to me is something that you want in pauper you know getting free value on a one you know getting one card for one card is what you want because you barely get any value from common so I would assume that it could do bits there. Anyone else got anything? No, I, I don't. I don't have anything else. But maybe if 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 we're going to be moving on from this, I think we should just probably you know touch on the touch on the fastlands. So they're reprinting the uh, allied color uh, fastlands: dark slick shores, seachrome coast, copperline gorge, razor verge thicket, and hang on, don't tell me black red black cleave cliffs. Right, and uh, so those are coming to Pioneer for the first time. That'll that'll change things up pretty significantly, I think. Uh, you know, Allied Colors have not had the best mana. Uh, they've even improved a little bit by the printing of the Allied Color Painlands in the last couple of sets. Uh, but now we have a full full set of Fastlands. So just for those of you not familiar with the terminology, that's you know they tap for you know Dark Slick Shores taps for a blue and a black, and it comes into play tapped. Unless you control two or fewer other lands, so it comes into play untapped on turns one, two, and three, or as your first, second, or third land, and so they they're, they're less good for control decks than they are for mid range or aggro decks, and so that would hopefully push a little bit of power in the direction of more aggressive decks or more aggressive two color decks. So moving away from you know white weenie and uh, and mono green and stuff like that as the as kind of archetypes that put pressure on you or mono red and being able to do a little bit more tricky and interactive interactive things in allied colors in particular so obviously like not worth talking at length about but they're 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 a big a big addition to a format like pioneer yeah i mean there's a few specific decks that people have been playing that get a a nice boost you know people have been playing a bit of white green hexproof i got paired against a blue white soldier deck yesterday there's you know the the, the the elves deck. You know now maybe you, you, we're gonna see more of these aggressive um, the shards, I guess. Um, you know something like allied colors, so like bent naya, mm. uh, all, all these color combos. Grixis. Who knows? Maybe we'll see you know red black evolve into in, into Grixis now. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to undersell how much it matters for your like multicolor aggro deck to have lands that come to play untapped in the first few turns. Yeah, it might spawn a bunch of, you know, um, many archetypes or, you know, archetypes within archetypes or whatever you want to call it. Sub-archetypes. Yeah, sub-archetypes is is a good way to put it. Uh, You know, decks like humans or, you know, red-green artifacts or 
And now we'll have like blue white aggro artifact, or, you know, all these things. Uh, I mean, blue white got that really powerful land as well in the last set for soldiers. I mean, I could imagine it's, yeah. it's been waiting for a critical mass of things to, to, to make white and blue mana. You know, spirits is another deck that gains a lot from it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know the, the, the spirits, you know, blue white, straight blue white spirits, band spirits, their mana is going to get much better. Absolutely. So, yeah, so watch out for spell quellers. <laughs> Okay, so that seems to be it for now for our new Phyrexia All Will Be One spoiler review. As always, you can join the podcast Discord to tell us any cards that you think we missed we should cover next week, but we will be doing more reviews as more spoilers come out. Kind of try and trickle it through the episodes rather than doing one big long evaluation at the end of the spoilers. But Gab, you did play some Magic this week. I think you played some mock stuff, didn't you? Yeah, I played uh, the Mox Vintage Showcase Challenge and the Legacy Showcase Challenge. I went 6-2 in both. Uh, not good enough for top 8. The the Vintage one, I just played the Canisters build of a Bazaar deck, which uses a bunch of extra lands like Cradle and Wasteland, so you're not just one-dimensional. You're, you can still kind of try and cast spells. It gives you mana to pay for the Tabernacle upkeep. So I'm not going to go too too much in detail, but I enjoyed the, the deck. It, it was pretty good. Uh, one of my losses was a timeout. That, that it, was, it was interesting. I got a, little, a lot of tricky spots against specifically the card Tavernacle at Penrill Vale. So yeah, I thought the list was pretty solid. I would maybe try and play Squee. I was not playing Squee. I was just playing a couple Blood Gas. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different bizarre decks. There's full on dredge i was playing you know kind of a more you know slower version or hex drinker version there's a version that plays a bunch of squee and masters of the undeath i think the card's called to kind of a value bizarre deck but um yeah that that was fun uh fell a little short and legacy was kind of a heartbreak i, I played white initiative which seemed like a no-brainer to me. I feel like anyone who was not playing White Initiative was making a mistake, but I'm not a legacy expert, you know, but I haven't played that deck. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, if you can't beat them, join them. I was playing some control decks before that, and I kept losing to that deck, and then I played that deck and started winning. So it was, tournament was going really well, and wheels kind of fell off at the very end. I got paired against QB Turtle. He was playing Blue Red Delver. I was... I think I was up a game. I got to the last dungeon of the initiative and I bricked on 10 cards. I, I didn't hit a creature in my top 10, lost that game, lost the next one. And then I was up a game against uh, Juju Beans, who ended up winning the tournament. And I I made a terrible mistake where it was kind of a sick spot. I got to seven mana to cast Emiris Call. And I decided not to imprint a mox with my removal spell, and I got my spell dazed and lost the game. And the reason why it was bad was that I pretty much knew his hand. I think there was one card in his hand that I didn't know, because he had had a Delver the entire game. And as far as I could tell, you know, there was no spot for him to have had dazed, because I had played spells in the past, and he had not dazed them. But there was actually that one draw step where he used Delver, he bricked, and then he used a fetch land, and he must have drawn the days exactly on that draw step. Yeah, it's it's fucking heartbreaking. It was so ridiculous to watch. I was sitting there being like, are we going to imprint? Are we going to imprint? Why yeah. would we imprint? When? He's just got this Delver. He's clearly never drawn a spell. 
Yeah, just... the, the, the reason it was so bad is because my removal spell was not even going to be that relevant. Yeah. Because basically we had the dungeon going, but he had a pro-white creature and removal. It was not going to be about removal. And he couldn't have really force of will plus a blue card. And I feel like I imprint the mox there 90% of the time. And for some reason, maybe I was just tired and well, we just, I decided you, not to. It took a long time to get around to that point as well. Like you, you definitely thought about doing it and then talked to yourself. Then we just kind of proceeded like you weren't get, you were never even thinking about doing it. It was just so, it was so weird. And I was like, obviously he had to, I was obviously like, yeah. it's just, yeah. And, um, it's so crushing, yeah. Was, yeah, and then I lost the third game, and then my breakers were not good enough, so I got 11. Despite starting four or five, but I never, somehow, I never have good breakers. Anyways, um, and there's been, basically, I want to talk about it because there have been talk about is initiative is too good, or is initiative and Delver too good? Um, you know, I will say I, I, I feel like I should have won. I mean, the draws I should have won if I'd played better, but I will say the. The, against the, the the Grixis version, the matchup didn't feel super good. For those of you who don't know, Juju Beans ended up winning, and he was playing blue red Delver was four snuff out in the main deck. So good, and only two lightning bolt, and so that good. plus the free berserker in the sideboard were just you know massive. Just killing a, a creature for zero mana is is such a big deal, and. Yeah, I, um, you know, he put in the work, he tested, he came up with a great list. And even though I should have won if I had played better, it, the matchup didn't, didn't feel super, super good. You know, in the third game, I was like, don't think I'm doing great, but maybe I have a shot. And then he was just like, snuff out, snuff out, do That's some right. other stuff. And yeah, yeah, that turn was- to, yeah, that turn to steal back the initiative or the monarchy or, yeah, the initiative. And him just having double snuff out <laughs> and just, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but Great I, I like the, the the list I played. I played the Macquin Sauce list. I'm not sure if he got his inspiration from someone else, but it was basically Mono White Initiative was uh, Once Upon a Time that you can cast a Lotus Petal, and I was playing Swords to Plosher instead of Chalice in the main. Um, you basically replace the Chalice with Swords and the Two mana Thalia was once upon a time, and I was playing four Archon of Emiria, which was pretty solid for me all day. And um, you know, uh, I feel like there's you know still uh, work to be done. After the tournament, I was thinking that maybe a card that could be good would be Sanctifier in Vec, or the the one we play in Modern, White White Two Two Pro Red and Black. You know, if people, if the if the evolution of Delver is to play Snuff Out, then you, you get Sanctifier. It hurts a bit their their their, syner- their graveyard synergies. It gives you something to attack Pass Berserker, something that doesn't die to any of their removal spell, and you know, it's also does a tiny bit of work in other matchups. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, there's there's. Finding out so finding out the unchained berserker might be might be worth a lot. I mean, just playing more walking ballistas is another easy way around it. Yeah, walking ballista was a card I had in my sideboard that people didn't play in the main sometimes. Uh, th- that card is fine. It, it's a little expensive, hmm. um, but it, it was it was okay for me. I was uh, you know, I was also playing the one one pro white in my sideboard. 
Yeah. So it sounds to me like the legacy metagame is incredibly warped around this deck, then. This initiative deck. Yeah. I've been playing... I've actually been avoiding legacy and recently, and I don't... I haven't really been touching the format because I think it's getting a big hit from initiative and Delver. But from what I thought, I, I don't think Delver is that good of a deck. And Wizards, in their last banner restricted announcement, they said that Delver had less than a 50% win rate. So... I don't I don't think Delver is as bad as people think it is. And traditionally throughout Legacy's lifetime, people have been complaining about Delver throughout its life. I think it's just a deck that people typically dislike. And Wizards will step in and ban things when they're too good. I mean there's a reason why Rag Event's on the ban list. They put it into Delver, it was way too good and it got banned. So, you know, I think Wizards will go and ban something from Delver if it is too good. Yeah, we'll see. I feel like initiatives I mean, my very, I've not played a ton of Legacy, but having played against Initiative with Initiative, I feel like it's maybe a little too good, a little too format warping. Um, we'll see. Definitely. Well, it feels to me like... this week... Sorry, it just, feel, it just feels to me like the Initiative covers a lot of the kind of... Between Initiative and Delver, they kind of cover the format. Like, there's not really much space for anything else. You know, if you think about it, you know, the decks those strategies are good against. I mean... Uh, the initiative kind of feels like Eldrazi in in modern when it was fully powered, like uh, with Eye of Ugin and uh, an Eldrazi Temple, where it just doesn't look that oppressive on paper, but it's just so consistent and so it's just slightly ahead of the curve and so consistent that you know, it's it's hard to really mount a kind of a, a reasonable attack. And it's like, you can, how do you hate it out? Yeah, it has a lot of good hate bears too. It can. You can adapt your sideboard to the metagame as well. It's not like, yeah, you can't. It's pretty hard to attack. I'm not sure how you you really abuse it. I mean, the snuff out was the snuff out build was was pretty cool. You know, you know that um, the deck you're trying to beat doesn't have wasteland, so you can be a little greedier. And yeah, I mean, there's potentially. I think there's room for. You know, some exploitation if you're only trying to beat Initiative and Delver. You know, before the turn, I was thinking about maybe trying out something with four Bellful Strikes, four Ice Fangs, uh, four Fatal Push. I didn't think about Snuff Out, but maybe, you know, that four Snuff Out or something like that. I think something like that could be good against specifically these two decks. Um, but, yeah, yes, yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe people are not putting in the work, you know. And not coming up with the right solutions and the right builds and just classic, just not even try, just complain. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I mean, my last comment is I would go for Mono Red Prison, try and go for Turn 1 Trinisphere. Blood Moon isn't too bad against all their Ancient Tombs. Fury's nice, but yeah, it is definitely a hard thing to tackle. All right. And real quick, we talked about the, the previews and stuff, you know, mentioning Pioneer, and I've been playing a decent bit of Pioneer. I've tried some some Roofs, Turnless, and Gear Hulk. I went back to that. That wasn't super good. I played uh, a prelim with Blue White Control where I went 3-1, but it was mostly just my opponents not drawing super great. I played a bit more with Lay Down the Arms 2. I've not had the best experience with uh, the, the mana base. I, I tried the the Harry Skull, Harry 13 build that he made top it was this weekend, and um, I think I went 0-2 drop. He was playing no sensor, Centauri's disruption. I mean, Bill looked okay, but... Um, Come on. <laughs> no Laydown has, has been kind of hit or... Uh, 
I haven't been biggest fan basically. Um, it definitely costs you a lot to have the, to have all those basic planes in your deck, and you know to warp your warp your deck in such a way that you're like trying to play this sword splashes kind of card. But you know the format's not always about that. I, I and it's easy to kind of you know oh cool I get to play so many more of these removal spells, these cheap removal spells. Therefore, I'm now much better against creatures. But really, you wanted to be targeting your deck against spell based combo like Lotus Field or interacting with like a mid-range deck like um with, with like Rakdos where it doesn't really matter if you're one for one removing you know trend doing that efficiently or mana wise you really just want to be casting yeah two for ones and you know grinding ahead and finding your haymaker spells so yeah looks really good on paper in blue white but maybe not always the best place to be i think it's pretty good if people are playing a lot of mono green but that doesn't seem to be my experience with pioneer at the moment i've actually been getting paired against a lot of mono greenery i think it's the deck i've been getting paired against the most mm, recently okay. um I, I did have one day where i tried a few decks i tried a five list a red black creativity list was a combo the xenagos plus worm uh, creativity combo and the black was for 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 the four fatal push and four thoughts he's in the main as well as gig scaris and thought distortion in the sideboard gig scaris is like free mana discard spell where you get a power stone token um, didn't go very well for me. It was lacking a little consistency because you don't have a ton of one and two mana cards. And um, the one thing I, I, I really liked about the deck was the sideboard Invoke Calamity, which basically for five mana lets you instant speed uh, a bunch of spells. And one, one, the best thing I did with it was to draw step. Uh, you know, a big score plus a thought seize against a combo deck. Um, that card, that card could have. I don't know. It seemed like it could have potential in, in the you know the other builds of the deck. And then I played the um, two leagues was blue red creativity, the so deck list that he top for the challenge was fairly straightforward. He you know nothing groundbreaking in his list, but just the numbers felt right. All the numbers felt right. I went. I think I went eight two over uh, two leagues. The first league, I only dropped a game, so I was like, ooh, nice. And then second league didn't go as well, but still still okay. And yeah, just pretty, pretty solid archetype. Um, not much to say, but, uh, you know, I was never a big fan of that, that combo because it's not very good against random stuff like Auto War. I like uh, against, like, you know, the Lotus Field, they, they just incidentally have a minute of Auto Waras, which can disrupt your combo, but b- besides that, I was I was kind of impressed. I won a lot of games against Blue White Control was two horrors in the sideboard. Your plan is just to ramp to horror, and it's really hard for them to beat. And you're you're a really good horror deck too, because you have impulse and a bunch of instant speed cantrips. So it's not like sometimes in Blue White Control you play it, but then it's it can be a little flat because you have you have no not only spells, but yeah. So that was that was kind of one of the new decks I tried I was kind of impressed by so this is a uh, this is creativity and just into just gear hulk right so no one... no no the blue red version was also just a combo version right yeah, okay yeah one, fine one worm one xenagos in the main and then this specific list I, plays I, two hallbreaker horror in the sideboard I really get scared with those decks where I kind of have to you know you got this you got the kill on board but then you just draw a piece of your combo and suddenly you have to take like five turns round trip to, to, to get you get your combo back into your deck so you can kill your opponent I really feel like you lose a lot that, that way it's like yeah, disproportionate it's not, amount of time maybe it just sticks in your mind this one's know. not too bad because the worm 
gets shuffled back, so you can just discard it to Big Score or Fable, and that one's pretty true. Mm, okay, get back yeah, that's deck. usually that's actually pretty and reasonable. The, the Xenagos Ultra here, but also the Xenagos is easier to cast. Fair um, enough. Yeah, I mean, I've just seen I've seen these Gear Hulk versions around as well, and one thing. You know, creativity into a bunch of gear hawks and trying to like flashback magnum opus and i feel like those decks are, are, pr are pretty sweet as well and like another way you can go with creativity but they lack the they're, they're, they're too light on the fair game i think like there's no real beyond magnum opus there's nothing you can do with a gear hawk that really looks exciting like i think they they kind of need a little bit of variety in them to be particularly appealing but I, yeah. i'm curious to see like the kind of this is a hell of a lot of ways you can go with that card I was never super impressed by the Gearhold versions playing against them, and I actually tried these, that, that version a while ago, and you get in these awkward spots where you can creativity for one or two, but you have nothing good to Gearhulk. So sure, you get a bunch of 5-6, or, uh, you know, it just... That's it my was, problem, right? Yeah. Like, without... Yeah. It actually becomes less of a one-card combo and more of a... Uh, more of a two-card combo. Like you have to draw Magnum Opus and the creativity, or... You know, Magnum Opus and Gear Hulk. It's yeah. yeah, but maybe maybe that's you know just me being. Sometimes I get in my head that something's not good, and mm. you know then maybe I don't give it my all and stuff. I was I was kind of liking just the more value Gear Hulk Opus versions, and and Fable's really nice in that deck. Copying Gear Hulk came up a ton. You know, you mm. would think it's like win more once you've Gear Hulk a spell. You're gonna mostly win, but no. Sometimes you really need the extra. Extra copying gear hulk to, to get even more value and whatnot. Yep. But yeah, I mean, almost honestly, Fable is such a, a really card, and in every match, I was like, almost matchup, I was just, I just want Fable. Like, yeah. Um, Four like Fables Lotus, and fifty six yeah, games. Against Lotus Field, I was complaining. I was like, if if any game I, I just have turn three Fable, I think I easily win. And you, you wouldn't think, oh, against Combo, that's specifically the card you want, but just the, everything it does is makes everything else so much easier yeah anyways yeah that was, that was that was it i think we're ready to wrap up yeah i'm ready to, i'm ready to play uh are we gonna live on the line live does it make sense on the line what are we what, theoretical tournament tomorrow what formats harry i guess any format that we talked about today or the format that you think suits your life on the line so i guess i'll go first I don't mind dying this week. So in Pioneer, I'm going to go Mono Green, even that's probably a bad choice. In Modern, I'm going to go with the Upheaval deck that I uploaded on my YouTube channel recently. And in Legacy, um, I have no choice in Legacy or Vintage. How about you, Pat? All right, I'm going to play Merktide in Modern. I'm going to play, I'm going to play Red Black in in Pioneer. I still think that's really good. Or Lotus Field, probably like probably Red Black. I have no reps with Lotus Field. And in Legacy, I would just play the initiative until they tell me I'm not allowed to anymore. Though I do really, really like Snuff Out. I, mm. I would play in Pioneer. Oof. I would play the the blue-black... Uh, maybe some blue-black days on doing. Maybe the Waffle is that was a little more control-ish. He was just playing for an set two days on doing No Notion Thief. Um, in Modern, not sure I haven't been playing a ton of Modern. And in Legacy, I think I would try and build that uh, Saltai deck. Four Bellaful Strix, four Ice Fang Coddle, four Snuff Out, maybe some Fatal Push. Um, you know, Old Daughter, Usual Suspects, and uh, try, and, try and attack the Delver Initiative uh, metagame that way. Nice. Okay. 
Now we gotta pick a card to do li uh, not life on the line. Price is right on Card Market's website. What are we thinking? Hmm. What are we thinking? We could what about one of the initiative cards? Nah. What about World Spine Worm? Ooh, nice. I like World Spine Worm. Oh my god. It's a mythic. Okay. I don't That's know good. from which set it is. It's so from Return to Ravnica. Singles. Return to Ravnica. Alright. Uh, but it is a mythic. Yeah. Uh, mm, I have an idea. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a number in my head. Uh, let me think. Alright, I have a number too. Okay. Three, two, one. Fifteen euro. Eight. Oh wow, we're exactly one eight fifteen. That's insane. You're one. I'm plus seven eight, and you're plus seven up to fifteen. The yes. Perfect the average spread. price. Card market thirty day average. That's gotta be good for me. Seven euros and thirty seven <laughs> euro cents. Wow. Sickening. Nailed it. I mean, I'm either either the, the buffoon or the savant, the idiot savant. <laughs> You've been crushing it lately. I feel like if we went back and actually listened to these episodes, you would have your numbers would be pretty high of late. Yeah, maybe our our like five episode spread. <laughs> yeah, what's that? What's yeah, that awesome. five episode five episode moving average? Can the, can the listeners at home <laughs> get back in, in touch with us and tell us? We need us. a spreadsheet. Uh, Harry, you need to start keeping track. We need a spreadsheet for that. True. No, we should just rely on listening to it. That'll be standard deviation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not too hard. You just got to skip to the last like two minutes of every episode to find out. Yeah, that's right. To get on it, found at home. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's it. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for listening again this week, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Take care. Well, if you need to find me, I'll be completing some <laughs> terrible planeswalker somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to say something, and you can find me on twitch.tv slash yellowhead, by the way. <laughs> oh, well. Harry is done. Yeah, he's out. He's been up since seven. <laughs>